Welcome to the first ever episode of the flagship Franchise OK Sooner Football Podcast. Uh, might need to shorten that name up, but it is part of the Franchise Podcast Network. I am joined today by the lovable scamp himself, Mr. Eddie Radosevich. Uh, he works for Sooner Scoop with the Rivals Network. You can catch him on the Unofficial 40 Podcast. Thank you I, for coming on. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was the first the first guest. I feel very honored right now. Yeah, I didn't want to uh, come on too strong and be like, hey, you're my first. Like, I'm never <laughs> going to forget this. Don't screw this up. I'm going to pop you. Right. I'll be gentle. Yeah, I, I I feel like it would have been coming on too strong if I was just like, hey, will you be my first? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I, I would have appreciated that. But uh, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, I'm just excited to get into this. Uh, I was told that I needed to make this podcast fresh and young. Okay. And uh, I don't know that I'm necessarily the coolest hippest kid in there you know in town but i'm not gonna talk i'm not trying to talk you up i'm not trying to build that ego but i was like the first guy i gotta get is eddie radosevich yeah. well, he's I appreciate uh, it. great on twitter i appreciate uh, it got the following right now but speaking of twitter i got I, I, we're gonna have to jump into it like right away before we start talking some serious ou football yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what uh, I, think I know where we're headed yeah uh what what you got some heat on Twitter the other day. What was I that know. about? That's not. It, that was not how I expected my Saturday to go. I was just going to cover the uh, the uh, the media day down in Norman, and it kind of it kind of snowballed. But that's kind of the life that you live on Twitter. And you know, I I think that a I will say I was kind of a an ass about it. I didn't I didn't really I didn't set myself up too well on that. But uh, sometimes you shoot your shots and you miss. But at the same time, I do think that it's kind of like just a representation of the Oklahoma fan base, just how pissed people got. It's like, that is a passion that I don't think that very few fan bases have. So, okay, so you were talking about there was, there was a particular guy that does edits for yeah, uh, yeah, recruits. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, you kind of called him out, and then you called out the guy that got kicked out of Meet the Sooners. Yeah. Who was wearing just an absurd yeah, outfit. Yeah, I, just, I, I just wanted to compare and contrast. Discuss. Right, right. Who, and this guy was wearing the, the most absurd outfit. He was trying to finagle his way into some, some families. Trying to finagle his way into families to get autographs, which I don't think that there's like anything lower than that is going and showing up at Meet the Sooners Day. Like I remember going to Meet the Sooners Day. My parents are season ticket holders. I remember going to that stuff when I was a kid. I have pictures of like with Kale Gundy and stuff. So I, I, I'm not against that. I'm against older men that are over like 20. Right, autographs. It, okay, look, there's like there's gotta be a lower cop. It's gotta be like fifteen. Okay, once okay. you're fifteen, don't be asking going to meet the Sooners and asking for autographs with your family. I understand that, and I I completely agree with that too. I I was gonna say twenty just to kind of shoot high, right? Maybe get some uh, people back in my good graces, <laughs> but uh, yeah, fifteen. And like I'm not even like if I saw Tiger Woods at a some type of dinner, right? And it was like some kind of charity event, and I had something to sign. I probably would ask somebody like that to get an autograph. Okay, so would it make you feel better if you knew this guy was going in there to get autographs to sell? Or no, that would make it worse. That would make it worse yeah. than him just like yeah, wanting them for himself. Of it, that's uh. actually like I mean, if it was going to a good cause, like if it was, if he was like, hey, I'm getting ten balls. Like I've had, I've had people get balls signed from like Sam Bradford and stuff. That right. you know, they're like, we're going to use this in a silent auction. It's like, okay, that's understandable. That's yeah. I mean, that's a little different. But yeah. uh, for me, I think it's, I think it's worse if he's just doing it for his. For his his living room, where he's just gonna pin <laughs> up these autographs while he wears his uh, sooner hat and his cape. I just need one more, and I'll Man. have all the Heisman's. <laughs> I, 
I'm just one more away from getting all the 2014 offensive linemen. Yeah, that that makes sense. Uh man, that was crazy though. I I was following along. Just another Saturday in uh, in the life of the OU football beat. Right, it's crazy. Uh, speaking of those Sooner Scoop and being on the beat, how long have you been with Sooner Scoop and been doing covering recruiting? Uh, I graduated from OU in 2009, uh, the December of 2009. So I right after that, I I hooked up with. Uh, Kerry Murdoch and Josh McQuestion, who own the site, and they've been really cool about kind of letting me do my own thing. And we we kind of did like all the video. I did all the video stuff in college, like the the broadcast journalism. Right. I thought I was going to do the the next like you know next ESPN anchor or something like that. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. And I you know grew up watching OU football, loved it, and I love covering it. So it's been fun. And I think that you know the the recruiting side of it has just been really fascinating to see, like the so, turn. So are you like are you like traveling around going and filming these recruits and like yeah, getting content for that? We will. Yeah, we will. I mean, it we'll we'll go see the the Bray Walkers of the world that are down at Westmore and mm-hmm. then, you know, Tulsa with the Tulsa guys that are all good. Uh, and then, you know, for the Ohio State game for instance, we're going to see Tavion Thomas who's committed to OU out of the uh Cincinnati area and we'll go see him play on Friday night before we go to Columbus. Are you going to the are y'all going to the game yeah. in Columbus? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So might be I don't know this might be a hot take to some people I don't know but I am way more confident that OU can win the game this year than they could last year last year yeah. I I just did not believe in them that yeah. they could be Ohio State but this year for whatever reason I I'm way more confident I I don't know if it's the offensive line just having that experience there that they can maybe control the tempo a little better or maybe it's just the fact that Lincoln Riley is a new coach and he's not going to have anything to lose yeah. Stoops might have a little bit more pressure to win that game than Riley will. It's just it's going to be interesting just for the fact that Ohio State returns so many guys and the way that they beat OU last year just kind of physically beat them up. It felt like I mean there was not very many people that walked out of that stadium when OU's one and two and even you know the week later when Tech, TCU goes up by two touchdowns right you're looking at one and three right in the face and for them to turn it around it was kind of interesting just to. It was it was a really it was a testament of what Bob Stoops was for the program, and I think that it's going to be interesting when you face that type of adversity this year, you know how Lincoln Riley responds to that, and you know I do think though in Columbus, Oklahoma's gonna they're gonna have a chance. I, there was a, a a thread on our message board the other day. It's like basically giving them no chance to even go up there. It's like, well, they might as well just not even travel. Right. Well, there's always that argument, too, that OU performs much better when they're the underdog oh, yeah. and then yeah. they just crap the bed when yeah. they're favored to win or when people are giving them a chance. I, I, That's probably, you know, in the last five, six years, that's been the most frustrating thing, I think, for Oklahoma fans was that they've been underdogs in so many games, or, I mean, uh, uh, favored in so many games right. and then lost you know, especially in the Baker era, yeah. it's been a, like the the non-stop. big big losses again, and especially that first one against Texas. Right, it's kind of the uh, the the I guess the the black eye, the Houston game. I mean, the Houston game though, if you look at it, Baker didn't play very well. But if you take away those penalties early and the uh, kick six, you know, which was dumb, right? Do but see, well, my my thing with the last year specifically, early in the season, the Houston game, as I thought that. I thought it was, a lot of it was on Lincoln Riley's play calling mm-hmm. and not getting P. Ryan and Mixon more yeah. involved in the game. I felt like he was trying to force the passing game with Baker early in the season. So that makes me worry who's going to be on him to adjust yeah. his game plan this year because I feel like, you, like you said, Ohio State, the first three weeks, 
they weren't looking too good and they turned it around. And I think a lot of that has to do with maybe Bob Stoops got under Riley's play calling. Yeah. Like, hey, we need to get the running game more involved. And they did, but who's going to do it this year? I mean, he doesn't have that guy necessarily that's going to call him out. You know, it was interesting on Saturday. He was asked about that, and he said that, you know, Bob never really did that to him. And, really? You know, I I kind of take that with a grain of salt. I don't right. think there was any doubt that there was questions. Or not questions, but there were there were discussions about what they need to do or, offensively. It changed. Or maybe there was like a, a pecking order where Bob told Kel, yeah. you know, if you see something that Lincoln needs to change in his play yeah. calling, let him know. Yeah, no doubt. But man, this year, I don't know if that's say if if that's the thing that they had last year. I don't know if it's going to be there. Yeah, it's it's a weird dichotomy now with the new coach and it's, who's going to talk to him when he needs to be talked to. I think it's just that that kind of that unknown that a lot of people going into this season. Uh, maybe that's why there is so much interest right now. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be interest in Oklahoma football, but I right. think that even more so on a on another level or next next step, just because you know it's those those intangible those little questions like that that you don't know. Right, it's been like what era. eighteen years since yeah. we've had conversations like this where yeah. we don't know what it's going to be like in that coaching room. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely interesting. But uh, back to recruiting though, in your recruiting trips, has there been any trips that were just like absolutely ridiculous or absurd that stand like? You just cannot forget. Mm, you know there there have been. I'm, there the the most recent one was probably, and this wasn't even to go watch a kid play. This was the Jacob Phillips uh, commitment, and uh, we drove out to Nashville. Uh, you know, it was like he was going to commit on a Wednesday, and Tuesday night or Tuesday morning, he tells us, you know, we're gonna pretty much. I'm committing to Oklahoma. If you guys come out here, it'll be it'll be worth your while. I think is what he what he said. Mm -hmm. And so we hopped in a car Tuesday afternoon, drove all the way to Nashville, and then covered his commitment. Of course, he commits to Oklahoma, and then uh, a week before signing day, flips to LSU. That was kind of an interesting one. The I I wasn't around. I was still in school. Uh, I was in high school when uh, OU recruited Adrian Peterson, so I didn't get to be a part of that. But I did go to uh, Springfield, Missouri, and watch Doriel Green Beckham play, and that was like. At the time, Doriel Green was like the number one player, of course, in the country. Uh, this is before all of his troubles at Missouri. His dad was the head coach at Hillcrest High School, and uh, or his adoptive dad, and that was pretty awesome. Just for the fact it was like, that's the number one player in the country. You know, it's the number one player in the country, and I think he had like three twenty-five in the first half. Yeah, man. So okay, so I'm from Austin, mm -hmm. and I've been up here for about four years yeah. now. So I, I'm just now getting really diving into OU football. Yeah. And in the short time yeah. I've been here, one of the biggest regrets that I have or one of the things that I wish I could have seen, I wish I could have seen Beckham, Green Beckham play that one year at OU when he was here. Well, he wasn't. He never played. He was right, he was suspended. He was on the uh, scout team the entire time. That Okay, so that has to be one of the best scout teams in college football history yeah. with Baker Mayfield no and Doriel Green Beckham no and Joe Mixon. No like, doubt. absurd scout team. Absolutely. I had to be... That's why they went 8-5 and because the scout team <laughs> beat him in practice every day. They were just beat up from practice every day. Right. But that man, that would have been awesome to that see was, him. That was really intense. I I saw Joe Mixon at a uh, at a five star event in Chicago at Soldier Field, and that was another one of those moments that was like, he's probably one of the best high school players I've ever seen. He was like tipping balls to himself on uh, jump balls with with cornerbacks who were like you know well known cornerbacks in right. college football nowadays. Yeah, I mean it was a it was like a it was an elite a camp. Star, yes. So I mean it he wasn't was, like he was playing scrubs in yes. high school. He was above everybody else. And then uh, I'm trying to think of – oh, Sterling Shepard probably didn't get his due when he was at Heritage Hall, you know, just down the street. I I spent a lot of time with him 
Uh, I remember his the first game of his senior year I was at. He he ran back the opening kickoff and then caught like three or four other touchdowns, and that was like the moment it was like. It's, this kid's really good. It seems like it's tough for uh, for high school players to really get a lot of love in this area. I don't know if it's just Oklahoma football or just because they're not Tulsa or are, it's, uh, it's gotten jinx. better. I think I think it's gotten better. Like you, you obviously you have Casey Tom. Nobody in the Oklahoma City area. There's not a Gerald McCoy. Right. I don't think uh, Demarion Houston from Millwood's a really good player. He's in the 2019 class. Uh, the Bay, uh, Bray Walker, obviously, he's the type of guy that's like a top one, a top forty, you know, borderline five star. He's going to be a guy that will end up playing a lot of downs at Oklahoma as a freshman, or possibly as a freshman. He'll certainly have that chance. He's physically developed like that, and uh, so you know, it's it's kind of interesting. It's it's a fun time. I I do think though that like since I've even started covering and since I got out of high school. The Oklahoma City area and even Oklahoma in general, the quote unquote okay preps has gotten better. Like there are players in from Oklahoma that are doing extremely well at the pro level. And, you know, Sterling, I guess, is kind of the best example of that. Yeah, I think so. Cause I mean, being from Austin, you know, there's always the uh, Texas high school football yeah. is like a religion, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So, you know, being in high school and growing up, I had friends that had family here and they would always talk about how they come up here and watch games and it was just terrible football. Like they would, they would come watch three A football, <laughs> yeah. and they're like a one A 1A school in Texas could destroy them. Yeah. But I, yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's a little bit more talent being pushed out now, and it's, it's a slow thing, but it's coming up. No, it is, and I, I think that it, you know, more so, Oklahoma and Texas, uh, their high school football, and you know, Texas obviously is well, and, leaps and, bounds well, and, and first off, there's just way more high schools in Texas oh, yeah. to start with. Yeah, you look at a school like Allen, that's like three times the size of. Your average six A school, in right? Oklahoma. And then you have schools like Lake Travis, which are just feeder schools for Texas Tech and just programs ridiculous. like that. So it's just, it's it's a different, it's a whole different world in Texas high school football than it is in o- Oklahoma. Do you remember uh, Baker coming up through? I, do, I okay, so I was gone, but when I was in high school, I was a I was in the same class as Garrett Gilbert. Okay, and I went and watched Lake Travis play because Garrett Gilbert was yeah. top three quarterback in the nation. I was yeah. like, we got to go watch this kid. That was the most dominant high school football team I'd ever seen. Really? I watched uh, I watched Lake Travis play in the state semifinals or quarterfinals against Killeen High School. Mm-hmm. Garrett Gilbert probably threw, th- I think he threw three interceptions, and they won 70-3. God, in the championship game? It, it was a, just a regular season It was a game? playoff game, okay. but it was it was either semifinals or quarterfinals. It was at DKR, God. and they just obliterated them, and Garrett Gilbert was mediocre at best in that game. So it's just like that's a beast. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, Allen is like that now. Uh, Katie, where Rodney Anderson is from. Yeah, Katie. Katie's Katie a powerhouse in Texas. Absolutely a powerhouse. South Lake Carroll. Uh, yeah, South Lake Carroll. Allen uh, already said them. There's there's some schools down at uh, Aledo is kind of like that. Okay, so I was listening to is it, y'all's did I podcast say it wrong again. So okay, I've always heard Aledo. Okay, because that's where John Gray went. Yes, and I was I was following Texas yeah. a little bit more yeah. when he committed, and I was every time they talk about John Gray, I heard Aledo. Yeah. So, but you guys kind of got me questioning myself. There was a guy on the board, and he said it was Aledo. Aledo, I don't know. I'm going to call it whatever, and just whatever. Works. Nobody west knows. West of Fort Worth is right. what I settled on. That's all you need to know. <laughs> it, it, there's nothing in Aledo. Aledo's is like not a fancy town by any means. So, you know, I, I will say I watched that. Uh, did you see the Fort Worth Star Telegram did like a documentary over their entire season last year? Aledo, I did not. It was very cool. It, it gave off like that. Well, what do they call it? Uh, you know, I don't even know. That, I, I, think that would be the, I think that would I think be the source Alito. to go with. Yeah, I think so. There you go. You're right. Alito, Alito, we're right. It was a badass documentary, though. 
they're Very i mean that's cool. another underrated i mean that's well, not underrated i guess yeah. they're pretty hyped yeah. that's a really good football program up there them and salina is it salina that's really yeah salina really salina is like a when i was in high school which you know i'm pretty fresh out of high school mm-hmm. but they were i think they were two or three a but they were just like the most dominant program in the state yeah if you wanted to talk about a dominant football program in texas in the late 2000s mid 2000s yeah. it was salina, salina high school i saw them play uh Plano Prestonwood that you'll have, you'd have to be a really like hardcore recruiting person to know the name, but uh, Josh Rollerson was a kid that OU was recruiting, ended up at Texas. I think he's at Arkansas now, maybe mm-hmm. as a graduate transfer or a, a, I think a graduate transfer, but yeah, he was really good. And I went down and saw them. It's just, it's a different level. There's no doubt. Like it's, it's crazy, but I think that people need to appreciate even Oklahoma and Texas high school football because you go other places and even Missouri, like Springfield, where I saw DGB, it's just a different world yeah, as far as like the intensity level for, uh, for high school. Sports. Yeah. I definitely think that high school football here has, it's, it's, it's a good, it has a good following. And there's yeah. a lot of people that really love yeah, high school Friday football. Friday Night Lights is awesome. Right. Um, man, but speaking, speaking of recruiting and you, I mean, you've seen these guys play, I mean, are there guys in this recruiting class for OU for the 27 commits that you're looking that are going to stand out to you that, you have big expectations for that are on the team like freshmen this year freshmen right yeah. now in camp because yeah. i mean lincoln riley talked about it at the media day how yeah. they're probably going to play more freshmen than stoops like to so yeah uh, you know i i do think it's going to be really interesting i think that a lot of people that kind of got used to the bob stoops era of, uh, of working things and the red shirting philosophy uh just kind of got into this mode that you know there was there there might be a guy as a freshman that is ready but if the senior you know, was more ready that the senior was going to play every right. time. I, I think that uh, Lincoln's going to give, you know, some leeway. I think he's going to give some opportunities some, to some guys. And, uh, you know, I think probably the most talented, just sheer talent, talented freshman down in Norman right now is Creed Humphrey. Uh, he is, I mean, he's going to be a Remington watch list right. type guy. Just unfortunate that he plays on the offensive exactly. line and they're stacked right exactly. now. And he's probably a tackle as big as he is. So yeah, well, I think they want to play him at center. I, I really? think he's going to be the heir apparent to Eric Wren. And, you know, even Bill Beatembo said on uh, Monday morning that uh, they worked him in with the A group. I think that's more of a, we're working everybody around everywhere. Right. I mean, he said today that they've got like five or six guys yeah. that he'd be willing to start yeah. on the inside of the yeah. line, just in the three I, positions. I, and I think Creed might be in that group. I just don't. I don't think that he's going to play a whole whole lot this year. See, for me, the guy that I I, I really think that needs to get a lot of playing time is Marquise Brown because mm-hmm. I for I think it's super important that they find a receiver that can stretch the defense. And I just out of the receivers they have, I don't know who's going to be that guy that can go be a downfield threat and really stretch the defense. Like yeah. I said. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. You know, his his biggest thing, I think, is going to be making that jump from Juco Bowl to being in Division One. And, right. You know, a lot of people forget that D.D. Westbrook kind of – he didn't struggle, but he but, wasn't the D.D. Westbrook in his second year. No, and he also had Sterling and Duran Neal. That's and true. Mark Andrews That's was true. much better that for, yeah. his first year. Yeah. So he had a lot – he was, you know – That's true. Other guys that were going to be That's focused true. on. And I, I don't want to be that guy that harks on D.D. But he didn't really blow up until the Big Twelve comp game started last year. So he he made a lot of his money on teams that could not play defense. Right. I mean, so. I think it's that's that's fair to say. But also at the same time, when you're 15 yards ahead, ahead of, somebody, of everybody, right? You know, I it would have been interesting to see if he could have played those first couple games with, uh, which I mean, like I like at full strength, right? And like I said earlier too, maybe he wasn't 100 percent healthy, right? But maybe the coaching staff just wasn't realizing yeah. to get him involved wow. 
as much as they they did at the uh, a, last ten games or nine games? It's a very good question. Like that 2017 class, though. You know, Lincoln Riley said that. I think he said 12 or 15 guys are going to play. That's a lot. It, that's a lot. But when you look at it, I mean, it was a top ten class for a reason. When right. You look at guys like, uh, you know. Kenneth Murray is certainly in the middle linebacker running uh, right now, kind of battling with John Michael Terry, who's a redshirt freshman. Uh, Grant Calcaterra is a guy that, you know, I don't know if we were, I don't know if we as rivals had him high enough. He's a guy that did really, really well out at uh, the Under Armour practices, uh, if I remember correctly. And they had him at tight end, right? Yeah, he's kind of like a, I don't want to say he's more athletic than uh, Mark Andrews because I don't think he is because Mark Andrews is kind of a special type of player. Right. But Grant Calcaterra's hands are unbelievable. He catches just about everything. And then, you know, you have Charleston Rambo from Cedar Hill. You have uh, Sedarian Lamb who, uh, you know, out of all those wide receivers, Sedarian Lamb might have the most upside. He's just rail thin right now. He's going to need to have a, a, a good another summer, I think, with uh, Jerry Schmidt before he really – I guess starts showing up, but I've, I have heard that he's made some pretty good plays here early in camp. And, you know, a guy, even a, a closer guy to home is Isaiah Thomas from uh, Tulsa Memorial. I think he's a guy that get him in the workout system, get him uh, uh, kind of moving in the right direction. If you will, it's going to be See, very, I, I think that's what, I think that's what's so fun about OU football right now is that one, you're going to have a lot of freshmen that potentially could play. And there's just huge groups that you yeah. don't know what you're going to get, yeah. whether it's running backs, receivers, uh, I mean, I'm not really sure what they're going to do on the on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, who do they have coming back? They have uh, well, you have Matt Romar. Romar. Obviously, he's going to be kind of your centerpiece. You get Hugh Overton back, a guy that made a lot of plays as a freshman. He just had to miss out last year when uh, he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that a guy like a DJ Ward is a big year for him. Just in that he was great in high school. I think he was a little out of uh, out of position in that three four. four right, and he talked and, about yeah, he talked feeling about better on in the Saturday. four three. He's a lot healthier. He's a lot. He he just looks healthier, uh, you know. And and I think that when you talk to a guy like that, and he's he can just go make plays. It's certainly going to help. But you know, there's I don't think there's any doubt that the number one player on their defensive line is Neville Gallimore, and you know he's a guy that coming from Canada was you know needed to be probably molded a little bit. And I think that you saw the light come on a little bit towards the end of the year last year. And this year, it's like, can he be that? I don't. He's not Gerald McCoy. I'm not saying that, but can he be that next step guy? Right. And I mean, I don't know how you feel, but it, for me, if they're going to win a national championship, like, because mm-hmm. it really does seem like you talk to anybody on the team, you talk to anybody of the coaches, coaching staff, it's national championship or bust. Like yeah. they're they've got their eyes set pretty high this season. So, and I think defensively. It's on that front seven. The front yeah. seven has to get pressure, especially in the Big 12. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you look at last year, they had 23 sacks. That's not going to get it done. Uh, that I think that, you know, everybody wants to kill the secondary for the uh, performance in Lubbock, and rightfully so. I mean, they weren't good. They were right. guys wide open. But when you give Mahomes eight seconds to scramble around, he's going to find somebody open. I mean, this is, those, there's a, it's a good enough offense to where there are guys open. Uh, you just got to get pressure on him. There was a couple times where they had pressure – and could never get him down. Right. Okay. So, I I got to I got to know. Are you on the side that that was a fun college football game, or are you on the side that you hated that game, the Texas Tech game last year? From from my point of view, on the sidelines doing video, I loved it. You got so many highlights. So many highlights. Like my entire like uh, highlight Rolodex from from OU last year. Half of it are Joe Mixon, D.D. Westbrook highlights from the Tech game. So. Right. Uh, from that side, it was cool. I'm not. I'm. I'm really. I try not to be the football snob. That's like, oh, 
that this this is just too open. There's too much running. There's nah. too much offense. Let's get back to ground and pound football. Yeah. And, and I, but I do love the ground and pound. Like right. I really I I like watching Stanford play. I think it's fun. But uh, you know, if I was if I was going to go into coaching and I was going to be an offense coordinator, I'd probably be the uh, spread for sure. It's just it seems like it's an easier offense to to run because it may it. Trust yeah. put so much stress on the defense. Yeah. It's hard to defend. So why not do it? And it's easier. I think it's easier to find athletes in high school these days that are going to fit a spread system. No, I I I completely agree. I mean, you look at uh, you know, you look at like what kind of what almost what Lincoln Riley did at East Carolina. They weren't recruiting every. I mean, even Tulsa for that matter with Philip Montgomery and what mm-hmm. he's trying to do is you don't they don't they don't have the the, the five star guy, but yet they put up just video game numbers every right. Saturday. I mean, Texas Tech does it on offense every year. Every year. Name, I mean, name one receiver that's not Michael Crabtree from Texas Tech. It, uh, I mean, you might be able to do it because you're a little bit more yeah, yeah. Uh, on the inside with the recruiting and the players, but an average fan, I don't know that I could do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely, the system plays it's a part different. in success. I'd better test it with a dramatic. Is he all right? Pause! Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, we were talking about Lincoln Riley and you know his success in the system and at ECU. You in on the googly guys? Or are you out? <laughs> uh, I, you know, for for recruiting purposes, we kind of have to follow it. So I guess I'm in. But uh, you know, I do think that it's something unique. It's something that uh, you know, the the mindset in it, I understand. Like they from the social media aspect, OU knows exactly what they're trying to right. do, and they're trying to you know drum up support every time that uh, you know somebody gets a, a commitment or an offer, and I that makes sense. Uh, it it makes our our job, I guess, a little bit tougher just in that it's out there so much. Uh, you can't like put something on the board. Hey, I think you know such and such is going to commit for the fact that you know one person sees it and all of a sudden it's on the internet right. and you find a kid's a, a commitment. So. Okay, so do you think that that Bob Stoops is sitting at home right now and just thinking, "What the hell? Oh, social media! All I had to do was just post googly eyes, yeah. and I could, I, I win. I do social media right." I don't think he's sitting there thinking that, but I do think that you know, in the in the macro picture of things, is that right? I think that's one of the reasons why he's probably sitting at home and not coaching anymore. Is just, just changing because, yeah, like culture. It, it, this is a job now that you have to be on. Not on social media, but you have to be around it and alert on it, you know, 24-7, 365, or you're going to get beat. I, I got, somehow I got, uh, I don't know how it happened. I didn't do it, but I got subscribed to the Lincoln Riley tweets. Oh, yeah. So anytime he tweets, I get a notification, yeah. and it's always just googly eyes, yeah. and I, I don't know how to turn it off, and it drives me freaking crazy. I, I think that, you know, it, it's fun for the fans just for the fact that they know that, It's something. Know, and he's out there. He's connecting right. with the fans, and that's something that, uh, you know— I'm not going to say Bob Stoops never did, but I don't think that that's something that he would have enjoyed doing. I yeah, guess, it, 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 it's true. I mean, Lincoln, Lincoln's he's 33. He's yeah. more. Is he millennial? Uh, are, we, are we considering 33 millennial right now? I think it is. Is it? I think so. I think it's right on the the cuff of okay. millennial. But he's God. I I try to. I'm 30. I try to stay out of the uh, the millennial. Uh, you're in it. Oh, I you're know, definitely in I'm that millennial. In I know. You're I definitely am. in there. I know. I am. All right. So. OU Texas. Coming to the week, OU Texas. We're going to have an emoji board. You know what's going to happen? Googly eyes versus the puckered lips. Oh, it's I don't know why Herman hasn't started throwing the puckered lips around That'd as much as he's like to, uh, you know, give a little loving on yeah. his players. Yeah. But uh, it, I meant to hit, hit this on this earlier. We're talking about recruiting. 
Is it, it, it seems like it's a fun time right now for recruiting with Herman at Texas and Riley at OU because we've had we've seen a couple guys switch, mm-hmm. uh, Ron Tatum, and then uh, you know, Casey, not he didn't switch, but Casey Thompson from he's from Moore and yeah. he's going to Texas. Like this could be a fun era of recruiting between no, the two it, of them going back and forth. It definitely is. I I don't think that there's any doubt that you know it's going to be they're they're so similar. I mean they're so different. They're similar if that makes sense. Uh, and like, Riley and, and Herman. Riley and Herman. Like yeah, they're they're both young. They're both hungry. They're both aggressive on the recruiting trail. And I think that you know at some point I don't. I think that Tom Herman would like to get into it publicly. I don't see that. Lincoln Riley being that type of guy, but you never know uh, when OU Texas strikes and, uh, you know, Herman says something in the media. I'm sure that Lincoln Riley's going to f- uh, kind of fire back. And I think that the rivalry. But they even have competing locker rooms now. Yeah. They like have it's... the same thing. They have the same, basically the same design. Uh, and I think it was the same company that did it, wasn't it? Well, uh, if so, locker. kudos to that company yeah. for I'm pretty sure both they of those. Did. It's like Longhorn something or another. Uh, I definitely think that the the rivalry, if it can be renewed, it's been renewed. I think I, it is because I no think doubt. it's I think it outside of the Cotton Bowl, I think it's been dead for the last yeah. three or four years no, since since Mac Brown kind of crapped the bed with yeah. that whole thing that in the what was it 20, 2011, after they went to the national championship, everything just started going downhill yeah. in that program. Well, it's been it's been really weird to just kind of I don't think that. And I, I guess it's hard for me to say this just because I don't cover Texas and I'm not around it a lot. But, uh, you know, even the year that three years ago when they upset Oklahoma, mm-hmm. it was a big deal for Texas to beat OU. But <laughs> it was just like it's like that was one of five wins Texas was going to have. OK, so it was such a big deal to beat OU that year. They carried Char- Charlie Strong That's off true. of the field. It was like a freaking Super yeah. Bowl. You're talking about a team that was, what, three years removed from a national championship yeah. game? And they're carrying their coach off the field for a win in October? It's been bad. It, there's no doubt it's been bad. I, I think that it's going to be, if if anything else, it's going to be entertaining, I think, just between the two schools. I think there's going to be a, you know, it, it's been interesting, like, you know, growing up and listening to the, the older folks talk about the OU-Texas rivalry and how, you know, they can't fathom the idea of these these kids playing in the same seven-on-seven teams and uh, you know, Casey growing up and and more that would that was almost like non-existent that he would go to Texas. Right. It's almost it's just a different era, but I do think that you can you can make some tweaks, you can make some changes that that make this rivalry what it used to be. Well, I think it helps to in today's in today's world and the mm-hmm. millennial social media, whatever world you want to call it. Yeah. It helps that you've got a coach at each team that gets it. They they get how yeah. to talk to players today. No they they get how the world works. And I like I think this could become a great rivalry again on the field and off the field. It, I mean, it seems like it's doing. I mean, with the recruiting on off the field, yeah. it seems like they're kind of getting into it. Oh, I don't think that there's any doubt that you know when Bob was still the head coach, uh, going back to I guess the the early part of May, end of May, into June when when the change happened. I don't think there was any doubt there was some you know quote unquote negative recruiting going on from the Austin side and right. you know I think it's smart from the Texas side of things to do that because they're just trying to build their base with a new coaching staff and you know with Lincoln taking over I think that it's going to at some point it has to has to mesh and then explode and it's going to be awesome like okay that. so you said negative recruiting I mean is, what do you mean negative recruiting I think more so it was just you know I think Tom Herman was telling people and 
I think it really kind of started when uh, Cam Rising decommitted from OU and committed to Texas mm-hmm. that, you know, I think that there was a lot of people in people's ears saying— Like just doing dirty stuff behind— Well, just like how long is Lincoln Riley really going to be there? Are you going right. to really play for him, or are you going to—you want to come here, and I'm the head coach. I'm always going to be I here. beat him last year. Exactly. With Houston. Exactly. Come here. Exactly. And that's not dirty. I think sometimes dirty recruiting, people think, oh, they're— you know, throwing them a hundred dollar bills underneath right. the table and stuff. When really, it's it's it might be like dirty talking would be the best way to put it. So I I don't know. I think it's all it's all good for the game of college football though. At the end of the day, I'm all for it. Anything in recruiting just to to make it more interesting. I mean, it's fun yeah. and it's interesting. But if there's like dirty talking, like yeah. you said, something something juicy that's yeah. going on in in March between a, a recruit and another team. I'm all for it. Like, and just do it. I, I think that a lot of people almost are naive to think that it doesn't happen. And, you know, people recruit really well. It's not because they are recruiting for Alabama or for Oklahoma or for Texas, for USC or for whoever. It's because they have a really good sales pitch. Right. And, you know, it, it certainly helps that you're going to win a lot of games. But at the same time, I think that, you know, that's why a school like Texas – they're always going to be the University of Texas. And I think that, you know, you you grew up around it down in Austin is the fact that, and at least for the, my, the, my buddies that went to Texas and the, and the people that you hear from, it's like, when you grow up in Texas, there's that sense of loyal, you know, Texas pride. And I think that a lot of kids grow up one day wanting to wear, you know, the burn orange and white. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I think there's a sense of loyalty down there. I, I also think that there's a, a sense of smugness mm-hmm. uh, in, in Austin. Yeah. I mean, they, They've been terrible, but from what I when I interact with other Texas fans, uh, especially like around campus, like you you wouldn't think that they have been as bad as they are lately. And I just maybe OU's like that too. I don't no, I, know. I think every school every is. school. But you know, I, I laugh about that because I have a buddy that's a big A and M fan. He went to College Station. It's like that's the one thing that sets him off about Texas fans. Uh, okay, and so I think you could probably say the the exact opposite. I think that. No offense to your buddy. No, yeah. But I, I think that A&M is the most yeah. smug fan yeah. base in college football, yeah. and I do not get it. They go to the SEC, and it, they get that SEC, oh, uh, yeah, we're in the SEC. We we beat Alabama a couple yeah. times. Like, I, I don't – A&M's a weird – it's like a cult in College <laughs> Station. Like, they've got these weird chants that yeah. they do at their wedding. They wore him. Like, yeah. it's, it's a whole it's different. different world. It is different. And I think that, you know, for the most part – uh, you go to the East Coast, North Carolina and Duke fans are going to say the same thing about each other. Right. Uh, UCLA, USC, Army, Navy. I mean, I think that's that's just the fun part of the college aspect of things. And, you know, that's definitely what I grew up around here in Oklahoma because we didn't have an NBA team. We didn't have right. that, that interest into a professional team. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I don't necessarily like to hang around 20-year-old kids, but that is one <laughs> yeah. positive they bring yeah. to the world I live in yeah. is that they make college football interesting oh, yeah. and fun. So, uh, you want to play a game? One thing I want to do with this podcast, with the flagship, okay. is I want to end all my all my shows on a game. So, but today we're going to play current college football coach or 1970s TV detective. Okay. <laughs> all right, first up. You ready for this? Yes. All right, so I'm going to give you a name. You just tell me TV cop from the 70s TV or cu- current college coach. Okay. I'm gonna, I might throw you a softball here for the first one. Todd Orlando. College coach. College coach. Jerry says. Yeah, that's the sound bite I'm using for uh, if it's a coach. I like it. Yeah, okay. Uh, next one. Will Friend. Will 
I... I'm going to say not a college coach. Okay. He is actually the offensive coordinator at Colorado State. Jesus. I was going to say college you coach and then... Like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah. <laughs> what you were going to say, college coach? I was going to say college coach and then I was just like, no, there's no way. Okay. Next one. Mike Denko. That's not a college coach. Okay, that is a TV cop from the 70s. He was from the rookies. Okay, I feel good about Jeez. it. You're busted, buddy. I'm a cat. I, I, I'm i working on it, but... I like it. Uh, Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday is 100% a coach. Head coach at Marshall, right? We need to move more like a doll. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What a, he had the jackpot with that name. You think that's his birth name? Uh, I don't know, but it is a exceptional. Uh, he's a really good offensive coach, too, I think. Yeah. He, I mean, he'll probably be your Huckleberry, too, if you ask him nicely. Last one, Pepper Anderson. Pepper Anderson. That is, I will say that I thought Will Friend was a uh, college coach. I really don't know about Pepper Anderson. I'm going to say not a college coach. Good guess. What is it from, though? Pepper Anderson was from a show in the 1970s called Police Woman. Pepper Anderson was a female detective <laughs> on a TV show. I thought it was a he. Right. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, I, this all started because of Todd Orlando. I, was, I saw his okay. name. I was like, this is the most absurd, yeah. cliche detective name. That's a, that's a Tom Herman's boy, isn't it? Yeah, Texas. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, you know, we wrap things up with a game. I had fun. I thought this was this was good. This was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for being my first. Yeah, I'll no never problem. forget you. I was gentle enough. I hope. Oh, you were you were perfect. <laughs> you eased me right into it. Good. Uh, I'm Aaron Davis uh, on Twitter at hourly pay Aaron. Uh, Miss Mr. Eddie Radosovich. If you want to pimp your Twitter, by all means, please do. Yeah, it's just Eddie underscore Rado R A D O E D D I E underscore R A D O. And of course, you can uh, see Eddie's filming and uh, anything else that he does on Soonerscoop.com. And you can catch him on the Unofficial 40 podcast. Eddie, thank you so much for coming on. For sure. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. The bows are up. I do. I do. And they're good. Whoa, Nelly. That was beautiful, man. 